The football gods are always on the Bears' shoulders. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here's your hosts, Kevin Lapka. What I'd really like to do is put the greatness of this man in perspective. Phenomenally good. And Jake Hassan. And Jake Hassan. The new sheriff in town. The best in the city of Chicago. Bears Nation podcast. It is late night. Bears Nation podcast, Wednesday, August 17th, the eve of the Bears' second preseason game against the Seattle Seahawks. And uh, I, I really wish that the Bears were a competent organization, that there wasn't much to talk about, because most good organizations are uh, just doing joint practices, letting the work happen there, getting in fights if you're New England and Carolina. But no, this is Chicago, and we're uh, still figuring things out. So we're still going into the second game. Not sure what our offensive line looks like. Not sure if our field is going to be a sandbox or not. Not sure uh, who the good receivers are, who you can count on, if any of them outside of Darnell Mooney. But that's why we're here. That's why you come here. Uh, that's why you come and listen to this podcast and not possibly, I don't know, maybe watch this podcast uh, as it's currently happening. But Kevin Lapka, welcome in. I mean, I wish there were uh, I wish there were less things to talk about, but alas, there are a lot <laughs> of things to talk about ahead of the Bears' um, second preseason game tomorrow night, Thursday. It, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. Like, mm. things could be worse, Jake. Let's be honest. Things could be worse. Could they be better? Yes. But could they sure. be worse? Yes. And and look, based off of what we saw in game one against the Chiefs, I'm feeling better than I thought I would, right? I thought we would have come on here like we do every Wednesday, you know, usually 7 o'clock, but a little later this week, talking about things being disastrous, right? And it wasn't a disaster. There was a lot of positive things to take away. And yes, it's preseason. It's almost hard for it to be a disaster. And God knows it maybe would have been a disaster if the starters played a little bit longer because they were getting, they, they were getting, the Chiefs were putting it on them. The Chiefs were putting there, it on there them. Were highs, there were some highs. There were some lows. There were, <laughs> there were some individual good performances, but like in sure. general, like the Chiefs went down and scored in one drive, you know, typical Chiefs football. Doesn't matter if they don't have Tyreek Hill. Like that's just what they're going to do. But in general, <laughs> Like there were good things that we could take away. I'm feeling more positive, and now you play the Seahawks without Drew Locke because he's out for COVID. Then he probably was going to play. Is, the is that a good anyway. thing? Like, are we sure you are, are you sure you don't want Drew Locke there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, my my poor my poor self. I don't get to watch Drew Locke now. This oh, it's God. ruining my Thursday. I'm so looking forward to watching Drew Locke yes. torch the Bears defense. No, uh, but yeah, there, there's look. There's going to be some some more things to follow. Um, but yeah, there, there's still some some weird things lurking in the background. Saint Omni is lurking in the background, and whatever if, if he's even happens. real, if he's even real, well, <laughs> if they, he's well, a person. Did you see Ray said he's real? Or Ray said he looked him up. Ray Diaz um, looked him up uh, from six seven to the score. Said he's doing some investigating. He says he's a real person, and, and like, well, well, his, his place of employment claims that he's there but he, that he moves locations a lot and he's never in one place so <laughs> we mean? we don't we don't have photographic evidence that this person is we don't have a birth certificate allegedly this person exists but i remain skeptical <laughs> yeah i mean I, it's just it's weird and i guess we could talk sure. about it real quick again you know there's not too much to talk about but it, what the way i see right now is roquan smith isn't helping himself you know that that's the way no. i see it like he's certainly not helping himself and i think we're we're nearing a situation where either roquan like I, i'm getting more 
optimistic and optimistic, but I think it's becoming more likely that he either gets shipped or that he's just going to have to accept, you know, the deal that Ryan Poles has already put out there of $17 million. Like Rokon Smith, if his plan was to come in here, come to Ryan Pace and, and start playing hardball, start playing poker with him and start, you know, saying, this is how we're going to do things. I'm going to try to, you know, use my leverage to get you to pay me $20 million. It's not working so far. It's not working. St. Omni's breaking the NFL rules right now. Things are, he's handling it the wrong ways. And other teams are going to notice that as well. Other teams are not going to see that and, and be encouraged by what has happened in the past couple of weeks. So let's hope like, and that scares me then like maybe his trade value goes down in that sense. But nonetheless, like I think the last possible, like if you were to rank the outcomes of this, where number one is he gets traded. Number two is he gets re-signed to the bears for the deal that Ryan Poles put out, which we believe is around $17 million. Number three is he gets the record setting contract. I, I, I think, the record setting contract is last on that list right now. And I'm like completely fine saying that. Like, I think that is almost out of the realm of possibility where it's just not going to happen. I mean, do you agree after what we've heard and what we've seen that you don't believe that that's even possible that he gets that record setting deal with the bears anymore? I still think it's possible because here, here's why I think it's possible. I think that, I mean, last week we saw the Bears defense is going to be flawed without him. We knew this already. Obviously, you lose your best player, not just on the defense, but on the entire team. Your team will be negative, negatively affected. Um, Correct. Granted, we prepared for this. We were ready for this. Even if we didn't talk about it, we were mentally prepared for the defensive effort and the defensive performance to suffer without Roquan Smith. That was a given. Um, now, granted, uh how bad it was and how flawed it looked at times against the chiefs. And of course it's the chiefs. It's Andy <laughs> yeah. Reid. It's their, you know, high powered offense. Um, so that has to be taken into consideration too, but that helps Roquan Smith. Um, now all the stuff off the field, of course, does not help him whatsoever. That makes I things more complicated. Mean, it makes things, but the bears obvious, you know, decline without him on the field is something he can point to and say, this is why I'm worth this money. Maybe I'm not worth that record setting deal outside the market to a different team, to a Broncos team, to a Seattle team, to a whoever, but to you guys, I'm for sure worth this because look what just happened. And look at what happened when I was off the field last season and the seasons before that your team suffers. And if you want, because the whole thing with the bears, what we said time and time and again, of course, that if the Bears are going to have success, we've talked about Justin Fields' leap and the offensive line coming together and some of these receivers, you know, taking a step forward. But the entire basis of the Bears being even competent this year was based on the defense being in the top half of the right. league, let alone a top right. 10, top five unit in the top half. Without Roquan Smith, you're not that. Simple no. as that. Without Roquan Smith, you are not a top half unit in this league. Robert Quinn's great. We love that he set the franchise record. Awesome. We love what we think Jaquan Brisker and Kyler Gordon are going to be. We love what we think Jalen Johnson is going to be. Those are still up in the air. Those are yet to be revealed to us. We know Roquan Smith and the talent he brings, and we know for a fact that without him on the field, you fall off a cliff defensively. And he can point to that and say, you want to even be in the chance for a playoff spot? You need me on that field. I am worth this much to you. Maybe I can't get this money elsewhere, but you should definitely pay me this because this is what I'm worth here. You're no, you're absolutely correct. And I completely agree with that. Now it, it comes to the question again of like, at this point, I think it almost is going to change week to week. And, you know, as these things develop and as we hear more things and as just, as this goes on, like, 
I think people's opinions are going to change on whether they really do want Roquan Smith back on the team or whether they're going to be okay taking a first-round pick and maybe another pick. Or there's the the dream scenario out there where they trade him for DK Metcalf and maybe another pick or you know something like that. At this given moment, again, like at this given moment, after what has happened in the past week, I, I know we talked about this in depth last week, but this is how much things have changed in the past seven days. What is your ideal outcome of this of this dispute for you? I mean- I mean, ideal outcome is still that Roquan Smith is a Chicago Bear. But again, you have to specify now. When you say that, do you are you okay with him being a Chicago Bear under a twenty under that record setting contract, or do you just want him to be a Bear with that seventeen million dollar third best linebacker in the league contract that Poles has set out? Right. I mean, you have to take that into consideration when you when you make that statement. I, I mean, ideally, as someone who's looking at the future of the Chicago Bears and their flexibility going forward, ideally, you don't pay him that record-setting money that could potentially Correct. hamstring you in a couple of years. But, I mean, if you want the Bears to even be watchable this year, now that that depends. Do you value this year more than next couple of years? Now, for me, if he's saying, I want a record deal or get me out of here, I've been more, you got to look at the future because this year you're not in contention. Right. You're more on the former side of you can contend for a playoff spot. So it depends on what you value. But I think, I think if Roquan Smith is demanding that kind of contract that, you know, if you're Ryan Poles and you're sitting there and you're like, can't do it because in three years, this is going to look like the Pernell McPhee contract. (laughs) Now I'm not, now I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen, obviously, but kind of comparable in the way that Ryan Pace gave out that huge contract, hoping that this guy would be, the base of your defense that you could build off of and then wasn't fell off a cliff. Not saying Roquan Smith's going to be that, but I'm just no, saying that no. there is a, a very loose similarity. I'm making a very, very loose connection here, but you don't want it to turn into that. If Ryan pulls us steadfast in this, I don't know you're worth that record money. Then you got to stick to that. And you got to say, okay, we will draft someone. Maybe he won't be as good as you. Maybe they won't be as valuable as you, but we can't risk spending this money for where we want to be two years from now, three years from now, whatever it might be. So ideally, obviously Roquan Smith is on the field as a Chicago bear, but if he's saying you got to pay me that 20 million, I, I think you might just have to cut it and leave him in Seattle. I agree. I, I agree. And Hey, those two teams meet this weekend. Maybe there's going to be uh, you know, some conversation between Ryan poles and I, I forget who the GM of the, um, I forget who the GM of the, uh, the Seahawks is, but maybe the um, Snyder. Uh, no Snyder baby I don't know I, I'm bad with GMs but um yeah so let's and, and hey Ryan Pulse has to remember future John Schneider I was right I was who is it John Schneider I said Snyder I was close right and and look Ryan Pulse has to remember that in the back in his back pocket is a future Hall of Famer in Jack Sanborn right and he has to know that Undrafted free agent out of Wisconsin, Jack Sanborn, who had an interception, a tackle for loss, Wait, a fumble recovery, and seven tackles against the Chiefs, is in your back pocket if you decide to ship Roquan away. So that's a good segue. Uh, uh, can you imagine? Our- can you imagine the way this fan base would react if you if you <laughs> chose Jack Sanborn over Roquan Smith? That would be. Oh, well, it would it would be choosing him over him, but <laughs> it would if 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 Sanborn started to get first team reps in the regular season again. Well, like, I don't. 
if they trade Rokon for a first and another pick or a first and a wide, or, or a wide receiver and something, you know, well, like, well the if, problem is we don't know what you can get. You don't even know you can get a first because it's a linebacker. We don't know how you yeah. value the linebacker position. So that's a whole I, thing I, too. I think you can, I, I hope you can get a first again. If you're not, you getting would a first, hope. I don't you even indulge hope. in the trade talks. Do not indulge in the trade talks. If you're not getting the first, like I, I don't want to hear it at all. I, I, I just think that's the way it's going to have to be. And and I think Roquan has to understand too, at some point, and it's harder that the fact he doesn't have an agent, like he has to know his market as well, right? Like he has right. to know his market. He well, has to be on the lookout, right? That is the problem, but he also has to be on the lookout for teams, not only that are willing to trade for him, but then the team that if he were to be traded, he's going to be traded to a team that has to be willing to immediately give him that contract, which is right. the only reason he's getting traded. So, okay, now you have to find a team who is in need of a line, maybe not even in need, but could use a young linebacker. And it depends whether you're, you're a team that just load up on your team that's close to the Super Bowl. You want to load up. You want to get, make your team that much better. Or you're kind of a younger team. You want to have this guy as your you know uh, weak side linebacker for the next five, six years, right? But you have to find a team that needs that or wants that and has the cap space to give you that money. Like a lot of the teams that are being that have been floating around, people are like, well, they don't even have the money to give the Roquan right now to have him sign that extension. Right. So it's 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 sort of weird. But um, let's talk about this game. Again, I mentioned Jack Sanborn. He'll be a name to watch uh, for Bears against Seahawks tomorrow. If you guys are, I think we're going to put this out probably in the morning. So tonight uh, and in Seattle. So, Jake, let's talk a little bit about, you know, what we saw against the Chiefs and how we're going to use what we saw last Saturday in that win 1914 bears over the chiefs um for how we're going to evaluate what we are think we're going to see on thursday and what to watch for it is still preseason but it's football and there are things to see and as we saw against the chiefs you know there were guys who stood out and you know again like it doesn't entirely matter. Like we make a bigger deal out of it every year. We make a bigger deal out of it, but you know, you want to see, you don't want to see bad things, right? You don't want to see guys get beat on coverages. You don't want to see players drop balls, right? You want to see players do well, but just because a player does really well, doesn't mean he is going to be a superstar there. You know, you have to kind of take it with a grain of salt, but based off what you saw against the chiefs and what we've heard the past week, what we're expecting for tonight against Seattle, let's hear uh, some names you're looking for or what you're expecting for this game against the Seahawks. Well, I mean, I think this conversation starts and ends with the offensive line and the number one name there, Tevin Jenkins, uh, you know, missed all that practice time, obviously was working with the backups. Now, all of a sudden, Monday comes around, Tuesday comes around, this practice week comes around, Tevin Jenkins is with the ones at right guard. And you still have Braxton Jones at left guard who looked great against the chiefs. He looked really, really good. Larry Borum looked like the guy that you thought he was at, at least average. And now Michael Schofield got ripped apart uh, over the weekend. He didn't look good. Granted, he was a late signing, so getting acclimated a little bit, maybe getting his legs underneath him, but also was cut from a couple teams for a reason. Wasn't signed for that much, so maybe this this regime isn't that tied to him or maybe is wanting to make him a backup uh, for the price that you paid for him. But the story here is Tevin Jenkins. Uh, It has been for, what, a month? two months, yeah. uh, who he's practicing with, what unit he's practicing with, if he's at practice. And now here we are. And Tevin Jenkins has been with the ones all week. And it looks like he's going to start at right guard tomorrow against the Seahawks. Um, admittedly a terrible team. One of is expected to be one of the worst teams in the NFL this year, mm-hmm. but still that change is noteworthy because this was a guy who we were hearing the bears were trying to trade who they were taking calls on. And now all of a sudden he's with the ones 
That's a huge jump from barely from this regime hates him and is trying to get rid of him to, okay, now you're with the ones and you might start week one and you're going to start week two of the preseason. That's a huge difference. And to me, if Tevin Jenkins takes this opportunity and maybe he's shown even in the, in the closed practices, if he's shown that mean streak that we heard about mm-hmm. and he showed that passion that sometimes he struggles with showing and is now using that as like, all right, screw you guys. You think I'm not worth anything on this team. I'll show you why I was the second round pick. Awesome. That does nothing but help you. So what I'm looking forward most to on Thursday night is Tevin Jenkins. It seems like he's going to start what we see out of him. Is he going to warrant another start in week three? Because you're going to like week three is the final preseason game. We're not expecting to see a lot of starters. We're not expecting to see Justin Fields, Darnell Mooney, most of the important guys. But if you're going to track, if Tevin Jenkins is on track to start a right guard on week one against San Francisco 49ers at home, he needs those reps. He He played two snaps at in college at right guard played almost none that barely played last year has mm-hmm. barely played this preseason. So he's going to play that third game, obviously if he's on track and even if he's not, he might still, you have to find out. I've said this for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. You got to find out what you have in this guy. Now, this is obviously a positive development and what's happened in the last week, but I'm, I mean, all eyes are going to be on him because that's going to say a lot now. <laughs> Yeah, does it make you feel good that you're going to have a second year player at right tackle and essentially a rookie at right guard and a true rookie at left tackle? Doesn't make you feel great, especially if Lucas Patrick is out week one, still recovering from his thumb injury, which say. could be a whole thing, a whole can of worms in and of itself. Obviously, we're hoping, fingers crossed, that Lucas Patrick is ready for week one. But that's the whole thing in and of itself. But back to my original point, Tevin Jenkins is going to be the focus of everything. Because this is such a flip. This is such a 180 from really? what from what we were hearing, from what we knew about Tevin Jenkins. And I was like, all right, right guard with the ones starting week two of the preseason. <laughs> it's crazy. And and what's gonna happen? Because I mean, we gotta see how he works with the offense too. I mean, that's mm-hmm. gonna say a lot as well. So conversation, obviously the offensive line, how they struggled last week starts and ends with Tevin Jenkins because still has a ton of potential. It's just we don't know what you have in him. You're absolutely right when you talk about this being a 180 because not only were there trade talks, there was legitimate, you know, questions that he could be cut. Like there was there yeah. was weeks ago there was conversation, oh, they might cut this guy. Like yeah. and now he's gone all the way from, you know, being oh, this bottom of the barrel third stringer who might get cut to now being starting with the ones. And look, I I said last week, you know, you I said at Family Fest have Jenkins was practicing at tackle and I said for I, I said I think on behalf of both uh both Jenkins and Bourne, I was like, I think they're staying a tackle, right? Like, I don't think they're entertaining mm-hmm. anything with any of those guys moving to guard. And then I said at the at the end of that little statement, I was wrong. And the other little statement, I was like, well, maybe, you know, if they do sure up the tackle spots, like, why wouldn't they at least try to slot one of those guys in the guard? Like, what do you have to lose? You might as well try one of those guys in there. And now they're doing that. And I think at the end of that statement last week, I said, you could actually put together a really good line if you do that. Like, if you have your tackle spot shirt up, right? If you believe it's going to be Braxton Jones on the left side and maybe Borum on the right side, right? Or, or Reef. Um, and then you and just granted, slot. And, yeah. and to be fair, like Braxton Jones, has, we have heard nothing but good things about him for months cody white here's out here saying that braxton jones is like the next coming (laughs) that braxton jones i I didn't hear that basically i mean i'm paraphrasing obviously i'm just doing it into one statement i mean cody white made a statement that braxton jones has continued to improve and that Mm -hmm. he's got great hands and great footwork and cody white has been in the league for a long time now he's considered a 
above average offensive lineman has played multiple spots on the offensive center and guard. So, I mean, we've heard nothing but positive things about Braxton Jones, which then leads you to think like, what's, what is Riley Reef's future going forward too? Because where does he fit into this whole thing? Like, I mean, do you put him at left guard? Do you put no, Jones no. at left guard? Do you try, no. like do you put Jones at left guard and Reef at left tackle? Like because you gave Reef a two-year deal for a significant amount of money, much more than you gave Schofield. Like Schofield, the money you can at least you can um, rationalize putting Schofield on the bench or making him a swing offensive lineman. Reef, you paid him a lot more money, and I don't know, one-year deal, five million, right? And Reef, you paid him a lot more money, so that like that makes it, it's. It's interesting. It, it makes things very interesting going forward as well with those and, two guys. And again, like these are like, these are good problems to have. Like I, I said, oh, this last week, these are great problems to have. Like you were like, oh, well, you, you get a little iffy if you have, OK, Braxton Jones at, at left tackle and then Borum at right tackle and then uh, Jenkins at right guard. And like, yeah, maybe for the first couple of weeks, it's iffy. But if you're talking about the broad view of the Chicago Bears, which is really what every conversation should be surrounded is like, sure. we know that this year is likely not a contending year. Do we think their ceiling could be eight to nine wins? Yes. Is it likely a contending year? No, probably not. So you have to look at these things uh, forward thinking. And if your starting offensive line has three very, very good young tackles and, and guards and linemen, like you are in a great spot for the coming years. And and for well, this year, at least. Might be. Oh, well, yeah. I didn't say, did I say studs? Okay. I, I, okay. Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. Some guys who could play some young guys sure. who have showed promise who can play right. Instead of just, okay, we're going to slot in older guys. Like I'd rather have those guys start get reps. And then if one of them goes down, that's why you have school for that's why you have reef or if one sure. of them really struggles, you know, slot in reef there for a little, like there's no problem in doing that. Like it's not like the quarterback position where you're going to damage the guy's career forever. If you take him out for a week and you put reef or Schofield in there for one week, you know what I mean? Like sure. you see these things all the time. If guys struggling on the line, slot them out, bring somebody else in, have them figure it out and maybe give them another chance later. Like, it's not like, oh, bring him out for a week and having reef start is going to damage his career for the next 10 years. Like, that's just not how it works on the line. But I, I think I, I legit, back to Tevin Jenkins, like I'm going to watch this because I I really think he's got a shot to be a better right guard maybe than he is a tackle. They said his athleticism sure. score as I mean, a that guard. Was, that was his college like, position, too. Exactly. And 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 his 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 um his athleticism score as a guard is like in the upper echelon of all guards in the NFL. And it's not the same for as a tackle, but as a guard, like his athleticism score is very, very high. And that's exactly what they want out of this line. They want a quick offensive line that's going to be able to pull guards and do a lot of these things they want to do when they're doing counter and they're doing, you know, run heavy zone, um, zone reads and stuff. They're going to need these guards to be athletic. And that's what Tevin Jenkins is in that spot. And I'm really, really like that they're at least entertaining it, right? They're giving it a shot and no better time than a Thursday game against the Seattle Seahawks to try that out. And I think he's going to get a lot, a lot of snaps and against Kansas City there was one player our guy Nicholas Moriano from CHGO Sports pointed out a play where he just absolutely pummeled a guy brought him to the ground and the Kansas City Chiefs defender's helmet fell off like this guy still has we we know what Tevin Jenkins is bringing to the table right like this was no sure. surprise last year it's no surprise this year like who he is he is a high energy player who's you know relentless and he's gonna bury you into the ground and he's athletic as a guard and He's an asset. And I know, it, like, I feel like I might have downplayed it weeks ago, like uh, the whole trade thing. And I was like, ah, you know, maybe I'm not that concerned if he's gets traded because we have all these yeah, guys. We and, talked you know, about it. It was because he didn't have a ton of value. 
Like who, right. like who realistically was calling the bears up being like, yeah, let's talk about Tevin Jenkins. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like not, not many people. And I, and now he could be, he like, there is a legitimate possibility that at the end of the year, he could be your best lineman. Like I, 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 I truly believe that if, if, if he, because look, the whole, we still are kind of in the his dark ceiling about what happened. His ceiling. Sure, his ceiling. Right. His ceiling. Okay. I, I'm, I'll give you that. You know, we're, we're projecting here, but we're still like nothing. There was never a confirmation that, oh, Kevin Jenkins is bad at football. Like we were in the, <laughs> we're still in the dark about what happened for sure. that period of time while he was, you know, while the trade rumors were going around. Like MIA. we don't know if he was injured and, and I guess we'll never know because he declined to talk about it and, you know, he doesn't have to disclose anything, but sure. it wasn't because he was bad. They weren't benching him from like, you don't bench players from like, you don't bench players from practice. Like he could have very well just been dealing with something personal maybe, or just something, a yeah. nagging weird injury, maybe the back, you know, the back thing. And now it's like, okay, it doesn't mean he's a bad football player. who's just, you know, out like same thing with Tom Brady. Tom Brady's just, Absent from practice doesn't mean he's bad at football anymore. It just means something's going on. No one's going to know. But now, like, like you, we thought that potential was there, right, before camp, that he could be the best player on the line. Tell me, why, like, what reason do we have to believe that we still shouldn't believe that, right? Because right. It, it's been you know, nothing on the field. It's been all, you know, right. speculation and things. Well, other than the, the third field. strength thing. At the sure, 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 sure. But, I mean, the third strength thing even was because he hasn't played. He legitimately has not been on the field. So, you right, had no right, exactly. like, even the even yeah. the third – working with the third stringers, we were like, well, that kind of makes sense because he's been injured and he hasn't seen the field for the most part in the last year, two years. So, right. yeah, I mean, the Tevin Jenkins situation is very, very interesting. I mean, you hear people say that the Bears have one of the worst offensive linemen groupings in the league, and that a lot of that is because of you don't know what you're getting. Is Larry Borum a guy? Don't know. He could fall off a cliff in year two. Is Braxton Jones a guy? Or do you have to rely on Riley Reed for Michael Schofield? Is Tevin Jenkins anything? Is Cody White here still reliable? Is Lucas Patrick going to be healthy? So a ton of questions. Um, one thing that we know for sure, Justin Fields, unquestioned starter. We made it 25 minutes without talking about Justin Fields. Um, Good for us. Your Good thoughts level. Your thoughts on Justin Fields' performance, albeit a shortened performance, a brief performance, in week one of the preseason on the sandbox that is Soldier Field. I don't. I just don't understand how they can't get it ready for gameplay. I, like, I mean, if, like people look, said, it is insane that that passed inspection. It, it, it's insane. I, it's, I know, That's and I, I, it was. And, uh, I think, it was and, and and if anything, it's crazy that the city of Chicago was like, "Well, why do you want to leave?" <laughs> right, and, <laughs> there's, and then, there's your answer. That is your answer. Look, it, it, you you know what side I am on when it comes to stadiums. I want them to stay at Soldier Field, but if if when it comes down to it, like that should be the kicker. That should be what we saw on Saturday, and if that continues throughout the regular season, that terrible field condition, that should be the kicker. That's just send their arms yeah, and heights. Absolutely. Nothing, nothing about traffic. Nothing about you know, like talk about how this affects field the condition. team. Playing, the team. yeah. The Justin Fields is out here saying that he's like that. He's saying, yeah, this field kind of sucks, but you can sometimes use it to your advantage. Yeah, like <laughs> what? <laughs> like that's terrible. But back to Justin Fields and his performance. It's preseason. Right. And he made some very good throws. That throw to Taja Sharp, great. Stood in the pocket, got hit, released a, a throw where only Taja Sharp could make that incredible catch that he made. Although it's just preseason, I would like to see a little bit more urgency, I think, and a little bit more like of an attacking mentality from Justin. Like it felt like he was, you know, just kind of chilling back there and, and he made some good throws. He did nothing bad. He didn't throw an interception. He didn't look terrible. He, I thought he looked good. I thought he looked okay. But 
I want to see, you know, let's attack, man. Let's attack. Let's get after it. Like when you watch Mahomes, yeah, Mahomes is on a $500 million, half a billion dollar contract. You know why he played? I don't know. But you notice Mahomes is in there attacking, right? He was in there, you know, it felt like he was attacking the Bears defense. I want to see Justin Fields in attack mode, like ready to go, because that's when he's at his best. Like, I think he was kind of, you know, chilling out there, you know, this preseason. I'm going to take a chill. We know what happened to Zach Wilson the night before he tore his ACL, right? Like, I don't want him to go too hard and go crazy and injure yourself, especially as you mentioned on the sandbox at his soldier field. But (laughs) I kind of want to see, you know, let's go downfield a little bit. And and some of that might have been out of his control. It didn't seem like they were doing a whole lot of downfield activity with Luke Etsy's play calling. There was some some things that they did with you know Darnell Mooney uh, and that incredible catch that he made, and it looks like that connection is everything we think it will be. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know that throw to Sharp is a little bit downfield, but you know take take a big shot. You know let, let's attack. Let's let's see a little bit of something. And um, I, I will say that the line did not give him a ton of time. Did not give him a ton of time at all. And I think what I've seen people say, which I think could be sort of true, is. I do think there is an aspect of his game right now that is a little bit of PTSD from last year. Like he does seem like he gets a little bit shaky in the pocket when it's collapsing and he has more of an urgency to run instead of throw. And look, for people who think that's a big issue, everyone on earth said that was the issue with Lamar Jackson the year before he won the MVP season. And then he won the MVP season and shut everyone the hell up about that. So I'm not worried about that. It's like a a greater implication of his game, but I I think there's legit, like, there's legitimate reasoning that, oh, I got pummeled last year. Maybe I do want to, you know, scamper out of the pocket before a 300 pound freak of a human Miles Garrett or Aaron Donald comes after me, right? Like you can't blame the guy at all, but that's my evaluation. Like, again, it, we only saw a couple of series and they weren't that aggressive right. offensively. I think Luke Getz, really, really hiding, you know, some of the, the things that they're going to do. I do agree with that. I, I saw that, but did, do you have a different evaluation or is it kind of the same? No, I agree with you. Obviously it would have been nice to see points from the first team offense. Um, Agreed. The throw to Darnell Mooney where he high pointed it over two defenders was a great throw, was a great catch. That connection, as you mentioned, looks like everything we thought it would be. I mean, Tajay Sharp looks like he's carving out a role for himself. Going for, I mean, he looks like it, it, we talked about last week. Uh, who's going to take that fourth receiver role? Who's going to take that fifth receiver role? It look, I mean, early returns say it's Tajay Sharp. Now, of course, we'll see what happens on Thursday night. Remains to be seen. So that's the whole thing. But I mean, I thought. I mean, like most people say, it looked like Justin Fields had some better, quicker decision-making. Correct. looks like Correct. his mechanics were more settled down. Um, and against the Chiefs team, that is going to be a playoff contender, going to be a championship contender. That's huge. Of course, you know, we expect maybe some bigger numbers against a bad Seahawks team. But I am just happy with Justin Fields being able to make that big play to Darnell Mooney, being able to connect with Tajay Sharp. Because I, we didn't see him connect with anybody that was not named Darnell Mooney last year. Um, would I like to see a little bit more from the tight ends, maybe from the running backs as well in the passing game? Sure. But like you said, it feels like Luke Getze is playing some stuff close to the chest, especially because you're playing a very, very good. I said this a couple weeks ago. You're playing a great Niners team. You're playing a team that is expected to contend for the Super Bowl and the San Francisco 49ers. And you know, Kyle Shanahan is tuned into these games trying to take any little detail he can, especially if the 49ers are going to be missing a couple guys going into week one. We don't know what who they're going to be with. They have some injury issues going into week one, too. So 
you know, they, they might be missing two of their starters in the secondary. So they might be missing the wards, which is huge for them. That Like, the, those are Pro Bowl players. So you know Kyle Shannon's looking at these games being like, all right, let's see what I can glean from this. So Luke Getzey, <laughs> I'm sure they're talking about these in these meetings being like, Shannon's dialed it. He's trying to oh, yeah. take it apart whatever he can. We got to play some stuff close to the best. I'm sure they're doing that because it's the NFL and there's only three preseason games now. So it's condensed. You like there's for sure. And granted, you know, we're two, you know, I'm 24. I'm the oldest person. So we're idiots. We're done. We don't know. Like none of us, neither of us have ever held a clipboard on an NFL field. Obviously <laughs> we push buttons for a living, but it's there is something that you can glean from watching these teams. Like there is things that are well known in the NFL. And it's that, especially if you're Kyle Shanahan, a guy who likes to have as much edge as he can, you're going to try and take as much as you can and get as much of an edge, a step forward as you can on your opponent. And from what we heard, Luke Ketz, he's a smart guy. He knows this. He comes from technically the Shanahan tree. So he knows this, he knows the game. So I do think we are not seeing the full potential of the Bears offense in the preseason, which I think is smart, obviously. Um, I hope we I, I hope we get to see a little bit more of an expanded, a little bit more, a tiny bit more against a bad Seahawks team on Thursday night. Yeah. And and you're absolutely right about, you know, the uh the whole Shanahan, you know, pays attention to these things. Like that's real because if you remember last year, the Rams were on hard knocks and the Bears played mm-hmm. the Rams week one, Sunday night football. And I remember there was a clip from Hard Knocks uh that everyone pointed out. It was like a screenshot of, you know, they were in a meeting, uh McVeigh was there and on his screen, on McVeigh's screen, this again during training camp was Bears preseason football, right? It, like they 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 take note of these things. They watch these things because as you would prepare for any game, you look at what this team has done or in their other games. And, you know, when it's the first game of the season, all you have to look at is preseason stuff, you know, because you don't get access to all their camp footage, you know, so you, or, so you have to look at what goes on in the preseason and they're going to take that in consideration. So yes, Luke Etsy isn't going to show you everything, but he's going to show you a little bit, right? He's, he'll show you a little bit. You know, you, you should see some different things as far as, you know, play action. And we saw a little bit of that, um, which I liked, but there, there's so much more to be uh, unlocked. But what I want to see, they said Justin Fields is going to play like six to 10 snaps. It sucks that the Bears got that sort of, you know, crappy turnaround having to play Saturday and then Thursday. That's really just not so dumb. Game. So, so stupid. Dumb. I just don't like why? What, why? what is it? What are you what trying to accomplish? For that? And yeah. then we have to go to the West Coast. You got to go all the way to Seattle. Dumb. So they left today and it's just I just don't get it. So Justin Fields is going to play like six to ten snaps. That could be one, maybe two series, depending on how the first series go. But like all I want to see go down the field, you know, 10 plays touchdown done. Right. Because mm-hmm. that's really what I like points when it, yeah, points. Like I think this off obviously this offense is going to be improved from what they do. <clears throat> you know, all over. Right. But the problem last year was, you know, they actually didn't have a, they they had a little bit of a problem, but not as big of a problem getting to the red zone as when they were in the red zone. So what I want to see against Seattle is get to the red zone. Like I want to see more red zone opportunities for that first team. Right. And we saw, we saw a little bit of creativity, a little bit of what they could do when they got um, into the red zone with the second unit and the third unit. Right. And we saw the Dez who was in touchdown. We saw the Tress and Everett touchdown on a Mm -hmm. a little Texas route, um, which I liked. Uh, I think it was a little Texas route, wasn't it for, for Ebner? I can't. I can't remember. I'm, I'm, um, not a, I'm not a play design guy. So. I, I, well, I do. He he caught that touchdown, right? I'm 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 blanking mm-hmm. on that. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I, I I think it was Texas. Anyway, I want to see what they're going to do in the red zone with you know Darna Mooney and Justin Fields because again, 
I think Darnell Mooney could catch eight to nine touchdowns this year if, if Luke sure. Getze uses him the way that Devontae Adams was used. And all we're hearing in camp is Bears get in the red zone, touchdown fields to Mooney. Like that, like every time it's either a touchdown to fields to Mooney and it's like no one else like that every time. So I, I, that's, you know, if you want to do a little bold predictions thing, I know we're going to wrap here soon. We can do, you know, a quick little bold predictions, nothing too crazy. It's just the preseason. Uh, my first one I would say is that I think we see a touchdown fields to Mooney on the first drive. I think they go right down the field uh, against the Seattle defense that you should move the ball on. And I think we're going to see something, something, you know, really cool and creative that we haven't seen that, you know, maybe, Mooney comes into motion and then runs, you know, back into a slant. I don't know. We're going to see something creative. Where, something different. Something different where Mooney gets open, Justin Fields throws him a touchdown. That's that's my sure. one big prediction. And before I give mine, just real quick, like, I mean, we we highlighted Tristan Ebner going to that game. We said this guy, it, it, yeah, seems like, you. it seems like coaches are talking about him. It seems like people love what he brings. He was a productive college player. Gets a touchdown in, in preseason week one. And it, it looks like he's going, could be a guy going forward. Just something to Will keep an eye on, obviously. Will be yeah. a guy. And when we talk about his special teams contributions too. So he's definitely making the roster, I think. Yeah, and we'll see what happens. Um, and we'll see what And the Bears are looking for a punt returner still. So that, that's the thing too. Um, my bold prediction will be this. I agree with you. I think the Bears first unit offense does get a touchdown. I do think it will be on the first couple drives because I hopefully you get some extended playing time. I think it's Cole Komet. I'm going to go back to my guy. I, I was right on it all last year. I was banging the table. I think it's going to be Cole Komet. I think, that, like you said, I think we get an expanded playbook. We didn't see much of the tight ends last week. I think this is the week. They know that they need to go for this. They need that, that he needs to be involved. He needs to be one of your top guys, at least top three, if not top two. So, yeah, I mean, Scox was on it. He said Daz. He yeah. said Ebner. Um, I'm going to take credit for playing the Ebner brandworm, but still, <laughs> I, I think it's going to be Komet. And as a backup, I will say Fields runs for one, if not. Wait. Uh, okay okay i see what you mean i see what you mean yeah it, and, it, if he doesn't throw my second bull prediction will be fields runs for because we didn't see him run that much obviously yeah. it's a, a, on the sand pit well, that yeah there, there wasn't a lot of design things he was he was having a scramble sure. a little bit when, when well, pressure and, and came that but. goes back to the we expected to be opened up a, a, a tiny bit more so well, that it, that's part of that it, it, it absolutely should be real quick about, about ebner i i think he, i think he has a legitimate possibility like almost yeah push herbert a little bit like i i, I mean I, I wouldn't i wouldn't say push him to where they're like even close to being equal in snap count this year but i think you're gonna see a lot of abner on third down you might see a lot of you know two running back sets like abner's in there with montgomery maybe because right. of his receiving ability exactly. you know things like exactly one thousand percent you know especially yeah. coming from green bay where they had two very capable running backs one thousand percent I completely agree with that. I would always get a little bit nervous when I saw the two running back sets there in the backfield. Like you, you've got the quarterback and you got split out wide to the left and the right, the two running backs. I always thought, I always think those are creative formations, you know, a little bit of 21 personnel or 22 personnel or something with two running backs and two tight ends. Like that's cool. Like I, I always, yeah. you know, why not? And we, we want different, we want different after the vanilla and the bubble screens <laughs> yeah. that we've seen yeah. for the last three years. So why not? completely agree. <laughs> And uh, maybe I'll give you one more for you. Let's do. All right, go one more. It all, it, it's it's dependent on who plays, and I really that's one thing I really really hope we see a lot more of these guys healthy because there were a ton of guys out last week, and it's like I want to see Kyler Gordon play yeah. football so mm-hmm. bad. I want to see I want to see Pringle. I want to see Bayless Jones Jr. Which he practiced um, this week, so it looks like he'll play. Who? Kyler uh, who, who Kyler? Yeah, he he did he did practice and. I, 
Yeah, I think Kyler Gordon's gonna be an All Pro in three years. Like, I I think that guy is very, very. He's just an athletic freak, and I got a thing for athletic guys. Like, that's just that. That's I just. If you're super athletic, like I'm just gonna project you to be that much better. Um, I think Chase Allen scores touchdown. I don't know why. I just got Ooh, this feeling. It's just, okay. it's just the name. It's just the name. And I and you know, let's give a little love to Chris Finky too. I think Chris Finky could could find the end zone. He was he was the guy named to be the the training camp hero. I wouldn't say he's quite lived up to it. I actually don't know who he who he would declare that to be. I feel like no one has really Jack Sanborn. Out. I get yeah. okay, sure. Well, Jack Sanborn, the official 2022 training camp hero, uh, Tanner Gentry and, annual training camp and, hero, yeah, the Tanner Gentry award of training camp hero. But uh, let's do Chase Allen gets in the end zone and Chris Finky makes a couple of nice plays. Uh, right, literally, beautiful. no no reason behind those picks. It's just I have a gut feeling and my gut is wrong 94% <laughs> of the time. So you know, you know, we'll see. But uh, do you have any more? Or are we good? No, uh, and I just want to give Scott said that Vilas Jones Jr. too. We're hoping to see him. He didn't play last week. That's a big one. So, yeah, I mean, hoping to see more of these guys, hoping to see obviously Tevin Jenkins we talked about. So we'll see what happens. It's preseason. Anything could happen. Biggest thing, everyone gets through healthy. (laughs) Honestly, everyone gets through minimal injuries, if any at all. So that's the biggest thing. But that does wrap up this edition of bears nation podcast, a little bit of abbreviated episode, a little bit after dark episode, but (laughs) appreciate everyone that came through. Appreciate everyone listening prior to the bears second preseason game. We will be back next week to break down what we saw the hopefully expanded offense, hopefully maybe less Roquan Smith drama, hopefully more Tevin Jenkins, but regardless, whatever happens, we'll be back next week to break it all down. Talk about it with all of you guys so stick around as always thank you for listening and as always bear down, bear down. Bear down.